Hey, what's up? It's the Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, Kyle Tosk. Keep saying it, one day closer to the Big Ten opener. We're going to find out more about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights here coming up pretty soon in about 10 minutes. Joined on the Tapman's Towing phone line by Aaron Brightman, who covers Rutgers. He will fill us in on Steve Peichel's squad. 5-1 and one so far. They did drop their opener to Princeton. Since then, they've won five straight against teams that they should beat. But uh, as we've talked about, going to the rack, and as we know, it's no surprise, going to the rack is a tough task. And we'll see what the Illini have on their hands with a Rutgers team that, of course, has Cliff Omarui, one of the top bigs in the Big Ten, that have had some fluctuation through their backcourt, losing Caleb McConnell and, and Paul Mulcahy in the offseason. So I want to find out more about those guys that are filling in and what we should expect when Illinois and Rutgers do battle. 3 p.m. Central on Saturday out there in Piscataway. Before that, there is some news regarding Illinois football. Brett Bielema met with the media today to do a season wrap-up. We'll play that later on in the show as we get that downloaded and, and geared up for you. Uh, a number of tack, uh, things that he tackled uh, in terms of off-season priorities, thoughts on Reggie Love, who I'm going to talk about here in a second. And then I know he commented on NIL and kind of his idea of of what he wants to see used in terms of his approach with it. And, and there's a lot of discourse, as there is every off-season, about that factor. I know that Matt Rule made some headlines and, and stirred up some conversation yesterday mentioning that, hey, if you want a really good quarterback in the portal, it might cost you a million, $1.5, million. I think that's interesting. It's too bad that we don't have the team payrolls. We can't go to like spot track like you can in, in baseball and be like, all right, here's what the Illinois NIL designation is for football. So here's what they're working with and how are they going to go about allocating it. But uh, I think that's an interesting topic that maybe we can discuss at a later point, but Reggie Love, on, on the note of him, the St. Louis native, has elected to enter the transfer portal, and he's a guy that, of course, goes into the season as your featured back. Really, I mean, he was splitting time at the, with, with Josh McCray, but it, it seemed like Love early on was the better option and, and established himself. Then, of course, Caden Fagan comes on, and I don't think there's any doubt that going forward, although Love when Fagan was hurt down the stretch, did produce nicely for you. You go to the Indiana game, he had 140 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, 64 yards, and a touchdown at Iowa, and 106 yards on the ground against Northwestern. So uh, he has been productive. Uh, He's not a guy that's leaving because he underachieved and and needs to go somewhere else to find success. But Kyle, what do you make of this one? It it seems like this is going to be, even if he stayed, Caden Fagan's first crack at, at being that guy and, and Illinois if you're going to lose a player that is of quality and, and, and is able to, to give you some things I'm okay with it being at the running back position because it seems like a, a spot where they have the depth to make up for it. I totally agree with that I think while I thought Reggie Love had a good year this year he's a good player had a great game against Indiana I help him win that one at a couple breakout games you know I, I think it's one of those that I I feel like both sides can wind up happy with this move. I think Reggie Love can find a spot where he can be more of a featured back, and he knows that he's not going to have three other guys competing with him. He's got one year eligibility left, has proven at the Power 5 level that he can be an effective running back, and I think that he will be able to find a situation where he can have more of a workload and more of a featured role in the offense for his final season, wherever that may be. And for Illinois, I, I just I think, you know, not to – 
diminish the impact that Reggie Love had on the season. But like you said, of all the positions on this roster, I feel really good about the depth at running back. I, I think Illinois, even if Reggie Love came back, like Caden Fagan is your guy next year. If he's healthy, if he can come back from this injury, which it sounds like is sort of a long-term injury, but I think he should be back by fall camp next year. He heads into the season as your number one back, and I think that would have happened whether Reggie Love returned or not. That's a guy that came on really strong, I think, is going to continue to get better. And then you've got some other guys that you haven't really seen a lot of. Aiden Loffrey was hurt a lot this season and is a guy that has a lot of speed. Uh, you have Jordan Anderson, who got hurt before the season even started. We haven't seen him at all yet, and he's a guy that was a big recruiting get for them and is a, a big-bodied physical runner, a lot like Caden Fagan. And now they got Khalil Valentine, a four star back coming in in this recruiting class as well who gives you a different look so and Josh McCray still in the mix as well if he can get healthy assuming he sticks around so I, I think Illinois is going to be just fine at that spot I'm really excited about what Caden Fagan's future looks like um, but this is a situation where I don't really blame Reggie Love at all I understand this one I think this is one where both sides can wind up in in a good situation as it played out, he was your leading rusher on the season, 116 carries, 567 yards, a pretty good average of about five yards per carry for him, four touchdowns on the ground as well. Caden Fagan, 95 carries, a little bit more than 400 yards on the ground, about 4.6 yards per carry for him, a pair of touchdowns, but really came on there during the, the middle portion, middle to late portion of the regular season and, and very excited about what he's going to show going forward so like you said they, they've got the ability to make up for that uh, I am interested to see uh, it's can be tough for a freshman but I say that and we, we saw Caden Fagan splash uh, I like the idea of bringing in uh, the kid from Arizona uh, Khalil um, Valentine. Valentine yeah I mean to be more of a speedster to, to give a little bit of a different dynamic uh, maybe you know out of the backfield and passing situations and and just to add that to this mix as well. So uh, Reggie Love has one more year of eligibility. I have to wonder if he's going to try to, or at least now that he's in the portal, if they have a conversation with the guy that recruited him, that being Corey Patterson, who's now at Purdue. Not that, like, if, if that's how it works out, I, I, I don't know. I mean, people will wonder, is there going to be the Reggie Love revenge game? Illinois is going to have sure. to shore up, their, shore up their defense to make sure that a, a number of players don't have good days against them uh next year and there's a lot of work to be done on that front but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see where he lands but Illinois is going to be just fine at that position going forward it will be interesting to monitor now that we've reached this portion of the offseason for Illinois who else is going to be on the move in terms of hitting the portal and probably more importantly at least in terms of the interest out there and my own personal interest is who who is Illinois going to go out there and get and what positions can they address specifically cornerback up front on the defense can they add another weapon at wide receiver I guess maybe you won't see that right away uh based on and I know they did haven't they gone out and get a got a juco they get a juco wide receiver recently I believe so I know he's that's not technically maybe a, a portal addition but you might wonder it, you know what Isaiah Williams decision will will impact all right do we need to go out and get maybe a splash splash position uh, or would that be a position where we're looking to make a splash? But then again, you have Malik Elzey, who, you know, after a year of development, will probably be looking to step into a bigger role. Yeah, Mario Sanders is the receiver they got out of JUCO. I think 
definitely the big thing that everyone's going to watch is, you know, which guys Illinois adds, are they going to be active in the portal? I do think on the retention side of things, Brett Bielma's first two seasons, he was phenomenal at keeping a roster intact, and we didn't really see any high impact. You're going to get your this guy's fourth on the depth chart, so he wants to go and, and get it. You know, those are going to happen at every school. But so far, Brett Bielma's done a really nice job retaining guys and keeping guys from going in the portal in a situation where at Illinois, you would think, well, you know, this is a program where you're going to have a lot of attrition year after year of guys that, you know, maybe – get an NIL offer from a bigger program or want a bigger role for somebody else. This year, it'll be interesting to monitor. I mean, Reggie Love is probably like the biggest contributor that Brett Bielma has lost to the portal. I don't think it's a terrible thing or anything like, oh, that's how could you lose Reggie Love to the portal? That's an indictment on anybody. I don't think so. But it will be interesting to see if everybody returns and if there's going to be any more guys that maybe were contributors or were guys that you were expecting to count on that do end up leaving, or if Brett Bielma keeps this entire roster together for the most part. Obviously, there'll be a few exceptions. Yeah, definitely something that's going to be interesting to monitor and, and something we can discuss more as we go along. Let's transition to the hoop side. We're going to be joined by Aaron Brightman. who's going to break down the Rutgers Scarlet Knights for us on the Tapman's Towing phone line. If you want to weigh in, you can, 217-359-2255 on the U of I, Atlanta Link text line. Talking Illinois and Rutgers on the other side. This is the drive. Reach your savings goals. Busey Bank CD specials can help. Watch your money grow with competitive rates and offers. Visit Busey.com backslash CD rates. Visit your local service center or call 1-800-67-BUSEY today. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. moved into your new home using two men in a truck. The garage was clean. Then... I love the new recliner. What are we going to do with this old one? Put it in the garage for now. Over time, this cycle continued. Garage for now. Put it in the garage for now. Put it in the garage for now. Put it in the garage for now. <laughs> it happens. You got junk. Call two men in a truck to get rid of all your junk. Residential or commercial, two men in a truck has a solution for your junk removal. Contact them at twomenchampagne.com. Two men in a truck. Illini fans taste what's special about Jets Pizza by ordering any of their specialty pizzas for $5 off. That's right, $5 off on all specialty pizzas like the barbecue chicken pizza, chicken grilled to perfection, premium mozzarella, bacon, red onion, and barbecue sauce all piled onto Jets' amazing crust made from dough they make fresh every day. There's also their super special all meaty chicken bacon ranch and more, all $5 off. Make your day special and order a Jets specialty pizza for $5 off. Make this holiday season truly magical. See Champaign-Urbana Ballet's The Nutcracker, November 30th through December 3rd. Presented in partnership with Cranert Center for the Performing Arts, Area-Wide Technologies, Bill Bass Foundation, Stone Ridge Dairy, Two Men in a Truck, and Champaign Ballet Academy. Tickets at the Cranert Center box office or cuballet.com. Experience the unforgettable story, music, and magic of CU Ballet's The Nutcracker.
Kyle, if you can't tell, I cannot wait for Big Ten basketball. It is right here, looming. Going to have some Big Ten openers tomorrow night, even. Illinois on the road, a tough one at the rack, a place, Jersey Mike's Arena technically, but the play, a place they haven't won in their last three attempts. Rutgers, a, a tough, hard-nosed, physical team, very good defensively. Let's find out more about that Scarlet Knights squad by going to the Tapman's Towing phone line right now. Aaron Brightman, the Scarlet Faithful podcast, joining us now. Aaron, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for coming back. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, a really fun game, I think, uh, contrasting styles, and uh, excited to see Big Ten play finally tip off here. Aaron, is it still okay to call it the rack, or, or do I need to be professional and say Jersey Mike's Arena? You can absolutely call it the rack. I like that you called it the rack, and I still do as well. I get a little bit of trouble for it. I try to throw <laughs> in a Jersey Mike every now and then, but uh, it's for, for, for those of us who have been going for a long time, it, it will always be the rack. Let's let Danny DeVito's commercials be the, the, the main peddling of the Jersey Mike's brand. And, and the rack is just – it's earned such a good rep here in, in the last handful of years, especially in the Big Ten, as being one of the toughest places to play. I just, to me, it's the rack, and I guess it will always be the rack. But uh, on that note, Rutgers loses their opener to Princeton. They've won five straight since then. What have you seen from this squad? There's a lot of new faces in terms of, you know – Others around the Big Ten were, were very familiar with Caleb McConnell and, and Paul Mulcahy. Uh, they had Cam Spencer last year. Uh, with their, their new collection around Cliff Amori this year, how's that looking so far? Yeah, it's definitely taken some time for them to gel. I think that we've seen a lot of positive signs, specifically the last three games, uh, just in terms of how they're learning how to play with each other uh, offensively. Uh, even defensively, you know, they've been dominant as they have in the past. Uh, sure, they haven't, you know, played a lot of great offensive teams yet, but they are doing it a little bit differently. They're uh, pressing pretty much full-time uh, most of the game now, and they're doing it with ball pressure, where in the past, you know, they had more length at the guard position uh, with Mulcahy, like you mentioned, and Caleb. It was a lot more about jumping, passing lanes, anticipating, uh, where this team is much more just get in your face, ball pressure, they have smaller guards. Uh, Derek Simpson is back second year, but Noah Fernandes, you know, he's 5'11", but he's uh, just been uh, very disruptive. He's had eight steals in his last three games. And then they have a freshman, Jermichael Davis, uh, who has a really high steal rate as well. Uh, so they've been relentless defensively uh, in terms of their backcourt. And then, of course, you still have Cliff defending the rim. Uh, and there's hope that, you know, once Moat Mag does return, uh, he was uh, arguably their best defensive player last year. Uh, even with Caleb McConnell. So um, they're going to be really formidable defensively once again. What's been different is their ability to run in, in transition and looking to run, uh, not just off turnovers, not just off missed shots, but even off made baskets. You know, they're really pushing the pace offensively, um, and I, I think that they're adjusting to that. They haven't shot particularly well, but I think we're starting to see some signs that they're, they're starting to get in some rhythm offensively. Yeah, Aaron, before really diving into some of their games here recently, I was looking at Kimpom and seeing that they're 26 in the country in offensive possession length in terms of pace. Like, they're playing with a lot of pace, and that probably speaks to how much they're running in transition, being able to run off of turnovers as well. So uh, was that something that Steve Peichel talked about going into this season, or is that something that's just materialized with the roster? How's that played out? And obviously it seems to be something that has helped them get some easy baskets. Yeah, it's something he talked about. I, I, to be honest, I was a little skeptical, and I still am a little bit going into Big Ten play in terms of how much they've looked to run. Um, 
you know, the roster, it, it almost was, uh, it was interesting because when they lost Mulcahy and Spencer through the transfer portal so late, they had added Noah Fernandes already. Um, but he really kind of adjusted philosophy, and I think it, it suits them better in the long term, especially with a potentially loaded 2024 class, as you know, with, you know, top talent. They want to play a fast pace, and uh, I think doing so this year is going to help them in the long run uh, adjusting to that. Uh, but I think that with Fernandes and Simpson, they, they, they have two guards that are able to push the pace, uh, that have made good decisions. Uh, they haven't turned it over too much. Um, and uh, I, I thought that, you know, uh, overseas this summer, they, they were really making a priority in terms of learning how to play that way. And we've really seen that so far. And when they are able to get on transition, they've been very effective. Uh, it's just going to be very curious when they get into Big Ten play, you know, playing a little bit of a different style. Are they going to be able to be as effective? Are they going to be able to get out as much? And Illinois is a fascinating matchup for them because of how athletic and, and their size. So it's going to tell us a lot in terms of what they're able to do on Saturday. With Cliff playing in his fourth year, we're all pretty familiar with him. Cliff Omarui being a guy that's you know very, very athletic, very strong, a great rebounder, great defender. What areas do you think are maybe his next step? Is there a specific thing that he's maybe added this offseason that they've talked about uh, that maybe we can expect that's different about his game now versus maybe what it was last year or in the past? Well, I think one thing that's encouraging the last few games is they, they seem to be trying to get him in more uh, open space. You know, when he's when he's been the traditional big, just backing up on the block and posting up, you know, he's not he's not as effective. Uh, he's not the best shooter, uh, and, and it kind of takes away some of his athleticism. Teams were really, at the end of last year, starting to double, even triple-team him, you know, jump down when he had the ball. He's worked on his passing a lot to try to avoid that this year, but uh, the last couple games, they've been able to, you know, get him to roll off the screens. Uh, even in transition, he's running the floor pretty well. Uh, so, you know, they're able to. Fernandez has been a big addition in terms of being able to lob it into him and, and get him in a good position to kind of lead him to the rim, as opposed to him backing up and trying to make a post move to, to get to the rim. So, I think the more they can do that, the better. Um, but he's more or less the same player. Uh, he, he's rebounding a little bit better. I think he's a little bit better defensively. You know, offensively, I think he's a little bit of, he is what he is, but um, it's about the Rutgers putting him in better positions to get the ball and be able to utilize his athleticism. Aaron Brightman is our guest on the Tapman's Towing phone line. Follow him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Brightman. To dive into the matchup, you mentioned it there. There are some similarities offensively when you look at two teams that don't shoot the three particularly well, not particularly good from the free throw line. I think a lot of fans have already voiced around here. It wouldn't be surprising if this one, those traditional Big Ten rock fights, could it be the first to sixty? Do you think that that's that's something that that you're forecasting as well? How do you what do you think separates maybe one side from the other in terms of you know this game offensively from one another? Yeah, it's. It- I agree with you. I think it could end up being pretty low scoring. I mean, uh, both teams are pretty good at defending in, inside the arc. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how Rutgers holds up uh, in terms of their defense against Illinois. They had, you know, Princeton obviously has some shooters, uh, and, and they definitely play their worst defensive game by far. Uh, but, you know, Illinois just athletically and, and, and phys- physicality, I'm, I'm curious. You know, Rutgers has really gotten beaten on the boards uh quite a bit this year. So um, I think that's a concern going into this game. You know, the wings haven't really uh, uh, rebounded too well. 
Uh, Antoine Wolfolk is a guy that was a freshman last year that has emerged and played more. Uh, he's done really well, but, you know, this is going to be kind of his first big test uh, in Big Ten's play in terms of them counting on him uh, to produce. So uh, a lot of question marks for Rutgers, but I could surely see, uh, you know, uh, a defensive rock fight for sure. And I think, um, you know, it's going to come down to decision-making. Uh, I think, you know, for, as a Rutgers fan, you're always worried about Coleman Hawkins and Shannon, uh, you know, since last year. But Hawkins has been cold, and that always makes me nervous uh, <laughs> that I think he's due. Uh, you know, I think some Rutgers fans are hoping Rutgers is due as well in terms of uh, three-point shooting. Right. Uh, Gavin Griffiths is a heralded freshman that we have that has not shot well, but is starting to play better and better. So he's the guy to watch, too. And it's going to be curious to see if those two actually defend each other as well. You mentioned it there, Shannon's carrying such a big load, and he's been fantastic for Illinois so far, shooting the three well. Obviously, he's very strong and explosive downhill. Uh, when you look at the matchup, you know, Andre Hyatt, in terms of his size, 6'6", 235, I think you would know it better than anybody in terms of defensively. seems like that's an area of strength for him. How, how do you think that he will do in that matchup, or how do you think Rutgers as a whole will try to contain Terrence Shannon? Yeah, Pico usually likes to throw multiple guys at the opposing uh, team's best players. So I think Hyatt definitely will we'll see some time. I think Austin Williams, uh, a grad transfer, uh, he's actually in his seventh year. Uh, he played in the state tournament a few years ago with Hartford. Uh, he's, he's, he's a guard. He's 6'4". Uh, so obviously Shannon has a couple inches on him, but I, he's pretty physical. Uh, he's uh, pr- pretty good at quickness for his size, and um, he you know has some defensive versatility. So I could see him being on Shannon as well. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a combination, and uh, you know uh, it's it's going to be tough. But I think it's also you can't let the other guys beat you. You know they they uh, I know Good's been shooting really well from three. They need to obviously be aware of him. Uh, so it's going to be interesting with, with, in terms of turnovers. Is Rutgers able to uh, you know be disruptive? in the half court and create turnovers for Illinois. I know they've had a little bit of issues with there. Um, so I think that's going to be a key for Rutgers defensively. What are you expecting at the rack on Saturday in terms of the environment? It seems like I don't have a reason to expect it to be any different. That's been a tough place to walk into for any Big Ten team. And, man, they've had a lot of success in Big Ten openers. I was going back the last couple of years, home openers at the rack, you know, beat Indiana last year when they were number eight, beat number one Purdue before that the, the year prior, beat uh, Io DeSumo and company uh, in 2020, 2013, uh, the number 13 Illini walked in there and, and got a, lot, a loss hung on their record as well. So uh, what are you thinking at the rack and, and just how – how tough, from your vantage point, has that been for, for Big Ten teams to go in there? Yeah, it, it, the place could be fired up. I mean, it's a Saturday afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time. There's no football on uh, so for Rutgers. So, yeah, the people are – and the crowds have been great so far. I mean, even in these lower, you know, low-major games, uh, you know, they're, they're close to capacity for every game. And, uh, you know, Big Ten play starting Illinois, you know, a team that hasn't done particularly well at the rack. Uh, you know, Underwood is a coach that – uh, you know, fans love to get on. Uh, I, I love him as a coach. So uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, a fired-up environment. And, uh, you know, that was one thing that was so disappointing about last year was that Rutgers really struggled at home down the stretch when they were dealing with the injury issues and faded down last year. So people are even more juiced to kind of get that back this year. Um, and uh, with Illinois coming in, that's obviously a uh, – very intriguing matchup, one of the better teams in the country. So, um, yeah, the place is going to be fired up, and it's going to be interesting, too, to see how Illinois handles it, being their first road game. Um, but they are a veteran team, and I think they know what to expect. It's just going to be a matter of, 
you know, which team can execute uh, uh, better down the stretch, I think. One more for you, Aaron. i got to ask you, a lot of Big Ten fans, I'm sure, wondering, you know, what is Steve Peichel doing on the recruiting trail that's been so fruitful for him recently? Dylan Harper still yet to make a decision, but they have quite a class already with Ace Bailey, uh, Lathan Somerville, uh, an in-state product here in Illinois, a nice big man uh, prospect. Uh, what do you think of their current odds to get Dylan Harper to add into that mix, and, and what do you think has been the, the secret sauce to making this thing happen? You know, with Michael, he he's he's very genuine. Um, you know, he uh, it was funny in the off season when I, I don't know if you saw that tweet from Coleman Hawkins how he uh, he praised Steve Michael about uh, in terms of it was I think the question was what Big Ten coach would you play for outside of your own? Mm-hmm. Um, he just resonates with players, you know, and I think he tells it like it is. But also, I think in this case, relationships have really come through for him. Uh, you know, Lathan Somerville, I I, I love. Um, you know, and uh, his. Uh, his dad played with uh, T.J. Thompson overseas uh, a few uh, long time ago, so there was that relationship there. Uh, in terms of East Bailey, Brandon Knight has relationships with uh, with his uh, coaches, uh, goes ways back, and, and also just long ties with that family. You have Jermichael Davis, who's on the roster as a freshman, is best friends with East Bailey. So they're really connecting the dots. And then obviously with Dylan Harper, with the Ron Harper Jr. connection, uh, and the success that he had at Rutgers and now in the G League. So... There's just, you know, there's trust there, uh, there's relationship building, and I think that Michael is, is kind of a throwback in the sense of, but it, you know, he, he tells it like it is, but he is a player's coach as well. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, it, it's going to be really fascinating if they're able to close out this class. I think Dylan Harper ultimately will end up at Rutgers, and it's going to be quite the ride next year uh, if they're able to bring in all those freshmen. I, I love Somerville, too, because I think, you know, he's not a one-year player. Mm-hmm. I think he's someone that's really going to develop, uh, you know, over time at Rutgers and, and be a top Big Ten player, uh, you know, in the future. Man, that could be huge. Aaron Brightman, good stuff on the Tapman's Towing phone line. Follow him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Brightman. Uh, follow his Scarlet Faithful podcast. Does a great job covering the Scarlet Knights. He's been doing it for a long time. Aaron, uh, I appreciate, as always, you jumping on with us and, and filling us in. Enjoy the conversation. All right. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it, as always. Good luck on Saturday. Appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Brightman on the Tapman's Towing phone line. Always great catching up with him. Enjoy the insight. Does a great job covering the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm, I'm getting fired up for this one, Kyle. How you feel? I didn't have my own mic on there. <laughs> I am too. I am too. I, I, I'm just excited because we got a taste of it against Marquette. It didn't go Illinois' way, but at some point I just want to play some high-level college basketball and watch Illinois in a high-level game. No offense to Eastern Illinois and Valpo and all those schools. You're just not going to get that. But this stretch upcoming, these next eight days starting on Saturday, are going to be three games that I am fired up for. And it's really going to truly feel like, all right, we're, we're into this college basketball season and, and we've got some high-level basketball to watch. I do want to talk more about this matchup as we get closer and closer. So let's do that on the other side of a break. But, yeah, I, I want to throw this to you before we do that. Like the stat I – I was digging this up today as I, I gear up for my preview, and, and man, just to to see what they've done. Their first home game against a Big Ten opponent, 2022, number eight, Indiana, who had a lot of hype at the time, and I don't think Rutgers was playing maybe their best ball. They win 63-48. to 48. Then in 2021, two years ago, Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Travion Williams, Sasha Stefanovic, and the number one team in the country. They go to Piscataway and lose. That's the... The bank in three, right, from half court by Ron Harper Jr.? 
I think. Oh yeah, I think it was seventy to sixty-eight. They 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 outlast the Boilermakers in that one, and then the twenty twenty twenty-one season. Illinois gets a one seed that year, a fantastic year for Brad Underwood and company. But Ivan Desumu and Kofi Coburn couldn't pull one out at the rack. They lose ninety-one to eighty-eight as the thirteenth-ranked team in the country. Even the year before that, they beat Wisconsin in their opener. So uh, they've had a lot of success in that building in the Big Ten. It's a, it's a really tough place to play. And the more I've watched Rutgers, which I did earlier today, defensively, they're, they're very imposing. If Illinois is not able to take care of the ball and execute, this can really be a, a rock fight kind of a game. But it'll also let Rutgers get out in transition, which they're trying to do. And if you can bog them down in the half court, they have their limitations. I think they would say the same thing about Illinois. So uh, it's a very interesting matchup. I told you yesterday I'm very concerned about it. I don't have a good feeling about it. I think it is a tough matchup when you look at it and just like you read off there, it just feels like these early conference rack games are just there have not gone well for some very good basketball teams that have turned out to be good. And so I, I feel like while I think Illinois is a much better overall team than this Rutgers team, I am very nervous about how this game's going to go on Saturday. I don't think a loss should be the end of the world and a uh, a panic for this team. For sure. But I with that said, I think Illinois should win this game, but I am just I just have that bad feeling in my stomach like this isn't going to this is going to be one of those ugly Illinois puts up 51 points and shoots 28%. Rutgers just has a field day with the fact that they don't have a point guard and they turn them over 15 times and Rutgers at the rim as as good a defense inside as any team in the country so far this year, albeit against a schedule that's been pretty soft. Like that's strength against strength right there. Illinois is going to have to make some shots to go in there and win. Can they do that in their first true road game? This this Illinois team hasn't left Champaign yet. That's another factor. So it is. I don't know. I, and we, I, he mentioned Coleman Hawkins there. I, we don't know. True. We don't know yet what his status is going to be. If I were to guess right now, I think he's going to play. How effective is he going to be after two weeks uh, of layoff? I I don't know. You need him to be effective in this game. You really do. That's going to be a huge key. You need Luke Goody to come in and make some shots like he's been doing. Be great if Marcus DeMath started to get going a little bit. We saw him play really well against Marquette. Other than that. He's been pretty disappointing so far. Just hasn't looked like maybe the guy we thought based on the Kansas scrimmage plus the Marquette game. And, hey, those are the two biggest games they played. So maybe he just shows up. But you want, you're want going to need some offense from him. And, obviously, Terrence Shannon needs to be the best player on the court because he should be by far. And you, sh- you should win this win- this game, but I just I can't shake that feeling that this is going to be really ugly and that home court for Rutgers, they might make a couple plays late and just make this such an ugly Illinois can't do anything on offense, and Rutgers is the first one to 55 and wins. Mm. I-, I could see that happening. I am in full agreement with you, though. I-, I will tab this as a game that Illinois should win. They're the better team, clearly, at least in terms of on-paper talent. And knowing what you have next, Florida Atlantic, who's been lighting it up offensively of late, a team that went to the Final Four and then at Tennessee. If you were to drop the one on Saturday, I would be fearful of going zero and four in your That's big point. marquee games. The not uh, of the early schedule. It's not technically all non conferences. Of course, Rutgers is a is a conference game. So uh, personally, I think that the first one of this next three legs 
is the most winnable, in my opinion, just based on the teams. I know you got to factor in the environment for sure, but that that's the way I see it. Florida Atlantic, we can talk a little bit more about them. We haven't touched on them a ton. Um, well, let's do that. Let, let's break down this stretch a little bit more on the other side of this. I want to hear your thoughts on the U of I Alina League text line. What do you feel? Initial feelings, vibe check, Illinois Rutgers with a couple of days to go until the Big Ten opener tips off. What do you think about that one as far as the Illini goes? Can they go into the rack and break that three-game losing streak in terms of that particular matchup in that building, or will it be another tough one to pull out and, and will Rutgers just grit their way to a victory? Let us know. Let us know what you think will be the key to making that thing happen for Illinois as well. We're going to catch a break, talk more Illini hoops when we return. This is The Drive. Get the roof your home deserves by Roof Doctors, your residential roofing specialist that has always offered the best warranties in the industry, like our non-prorated 50-year warranty. Our customers love that we are family-owned and locally operated. We make our customer needs our top priority. With over 30 years' experience and the best customer service, give Roof Doctors a call today for your free estimate at 328-7529. In your community and for your community, Roof Doctors. Welcome to Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. Hi, I'm looking for a refrigerator. When you buy from us, you get the whole store. Oh, yeah, well, I just need a refrigerator. Don't need the whole store. But you get it, the whole store. My kitchen is only about this big. You get me. Hello. All those delivery, installation, and service technicians in back. Wow, all those people? The Dick Van Dyke 510 year protection plan, which means in the unlikely event something goes wrong in the first five years, your repair cost is nothing. Nothing? Ten years parts coverage on the major components. Looks like I'm getting more than the refrigerator today. Um, how much does this whole store cost? Nothing. Come on. For real. We guarantee to beat any competitor's deal, all that other stuff we talked about, like our service tax. And your 510 year protection plan. All included. I'm Dennis Freak and chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. And when we say you get the whole store, we mean the whole store. Wow. Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. When you buy from us, you get the whole store. Like every bank, there's a time every day when we stop making loans. But at Iroquois Federal, we never stop making a difference. Thanks to an amazing team of employees who give back to their local communities all over central Illinois. From hospital boards and local school programs to Kiwanis and the United Way, Iroquois Federal employees donated more than 1,000 volunteer hours last year. And we'll do it again next year because the only thing we like more than making a loan is making a difference. Iroquois Federal. Still friendly. Still local. Still here. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. You moved into your new home using two men in a truck. The garage was clean. Then... I love the new recliner. What are we going to do with this old one? Put it in the garage for now. Over time, this cycle continued. Garage for now, put it in the garage for now, put it in the garage for now, put it in the garage for now. <laughs> it happens. You got junk. Call two men in a truck to get rid of all your junk. Residential or commercial, two men in a truck has a solution for your junk removal. Contact them at twomenchampagne.com. Two men in a truck... The hammering, the sawing, the drilling, all the sounds of the workplace from music to our ears. You can be a part of construction projects, large and small, as a Carpenters Local 243 member. Learn to excel with apprentice and journeyman training. Members enjoy all the benefits this internationally recognized union has to offer. It's a life-changing decision. Join the Local 243 family tradition. Contact Carpenters Local 243 at 217-356-5463. 
In an ever-changing real estate market, it is so important to work with experienced agents like Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor teams at Taylor Realty Associates. They have the knowledge and expertise to get your home sold for the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Trust the experience and success of Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor team at Taylor Realty Associates. Give them a call today at 217-355-0700 or visit them online at taylorboys.com. That's taylorboys.com. Illini fans, taste what's special about Jets Pizza by ordering any of their specialty pizzas for $5 off. That's right, save $5 on all specialty pizzas like the barbecue chicken pizza, chicken grill to perfection, premium mozzarella cheese, bacon, red onion, and BBQ sauce. All piled onto Jets' amazing crust made from dough they make fresh every day. There's also their super special all-meaty chicken bacon ranch and more, all $5 off. Make your day special and order a Jets specialty pizza for $5 off. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Fighting Illini basketball this season. Deafening in here, 15,000, another shutout. We need all of Illini Nation to help us defend State Farm Center. And Illinois overcomes their largest deficit of the season. Great seat locations are still available for you to see Illinois basketball live this season. The Illini win it. Get your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. Want unbeatable prices on your next furniture purchase, but also seeking that local hometown feel? Look no further than Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. Customers rave about their friendly, established staff, as well as their great selection, amazing prices, and second-to-none delivery service. They're a third-generation local business, and they've always got your best interests at heart. Find the look you love for less. Open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday, but always available online at KelseyFurniture.com. That's KelseyFurniture.com. Before we talk hoops, let me tell you about Busey. All you need is love and financial intimacy. Before you walk down the aisle, Busey suggests setting a solid financial footing. Their experts suggest the following tips for financial intimacy, which of course can come in whether you're just getting married, you've been married for a long time. Uh, Decide whether you and your spouse will share finances or keep them separate. Consider individual spending and saving habits. Couples that tackle money problems together and take responsibility for solving them. We'll find that their relationship is better for it. Share credit. Let your spouse know your credit situation and vice versa. There's also something called Cupid's Arrow. Develop a plan to shoot down existing debt, starting with the balances that carry the highest interest rates. And, of course, who doesn't like that? those sweet savings? Decide how much you want to save as a couple. Withdraw the funds automatically from your paychecks. When you're just starting out or you're celebrating your milestone anniversary, Busey can help provide an array of solutions tailored to your specific needs. Visit Busey.com or stop by one of their convenient locations today. Busey, member FDIC. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. My apologies, Kyle. That was a, a mix-up between the producer and the uh, the host. Oh, that was my fault. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. We won't get inside baseball here and, and explain uh, that one, but uh, let's talk more about this upcoming stretch for the Illini. We've touched on it throughout the 
the week, but really diving in on it, I'm excited to do so. I want to talk as much about it as possible. I mean, what else are we going to do, huh? And the Cubs won't make a move, so we don't uh, have that. Yeah. Illinois doesn't have a bowl game, so we're not talking about that. There's no transfer portal quarterback to go out and get. No. Um, I don't know. We went through the college football playoff scenarios yesterday, so uh, if you got any ideas, let us know. But I think this is pretty much the the heart of the interest right now for Illini sports fans is the hoop season heating up in a hurry, and it's about to when Illinois goes on the road to Rutgers this upcoming weekend. Uh, as Aaron Brightman broke down, uh, Noah Fernandes transfer from UMass is, is definitely you know he's a high energy guard. He's he's scrappy. He, he's kind of cut from that. That cloth that you expect uh, when you've seen, obviously, Mulcahy, Geo Baker, those type of guards that'll that'll get in your get into you and just be a little, you know, in, in your shirt and make those hustle effort plays. Uh, I, I think he's one of those guys, and definitely someone that's been a capable scorer in the past uh, for UMass uh, as someone that can create a shot, can go to the basket, and, and I know he really likes to attack in transitions. Uh, Derek Simpson is, is someone that stepping into a bigger role this year, slow start for him offensively, but he's gotten uh, four straight games and, and double figures. So uh, he's, he's another guy that's a, a pretty big key for Rutgers in terms of backcourt production. Cause that's really been the, the Achilles heel so far. I know they're five and one, but as you look at their defensive or their defensive metrics have been outstanding and those guys in the backcourt definitely get that thing done. And it was when I pulled up, their game against Georgetown. I also watched their last one against St. Peter's. It was like, oh wow, they they really are going to press a bunch. Like they're running this two-two-one full court trapping press, and and they're really trying to turn you over. They forced a lot of ten second violations. So those guys are very key in that. But offensively, their shot making hasn't been uh, up to up to par in, in terms of Rutgers being a a real you know upper echelon, even maybe even above middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Uh, Amori, you know what you're getting there. You're getting a guy that's that's going to be physical. It's going to be uh, on the glass. It's going to be blocking shots. You don't want him to be in a catch and dunk situation because he's probably as ferocious of a dunker uh, as there is uh, in the Big Ten. But I, I think if you can force him to make a move with his back to the basket, he's still kind of raw. Like He's not the most skilled big man uh, in terms of you know the, the back to the basket moves, if he's going to face up and shoot it, you'll you'll live with those results for the most part. Uh, and I, I did go back and look, Kyle, at last year's matchup. Dane actually had a really nice game against Rutgers and, and Amori here in Champaign, fifteen and seven for him. I felt like he outplayed Amori in that game, who was in foul trouble. Twenty four minutes for him, uh, ended up with four fouls. I know Coleman had a nice game as well. That was actually when Illinois was starting both Coleman Hawkins at the four and Dane at the five. Uh, of course, don't forecast that probably ever happening this season uh, just ba- based on the way that Illinois wants to play. But uh, let me kick it to you on this front. If Coleman's good to go, we don't know what his official you know percentage is. He 100%, I probably I doubt it. But is he 90%? Is he 80%? Would you start Coleman Hawkins right away or would you keep going with Dane in that sense? How would you approach that if you're Brad Underwood going into this game against Rutgers? I would start Coleman Hawkins for sure if he's playing. I mean, I, I think you could have a debate if you want to move Coleman down to the four and play him alongside Dane, but I just I think Illinois' best lineup is still the one with Coleman playing the five. I, I, I agree with what you're saying and the fact that 
Cliff Amore doesn't really scare me offensively. Like he's a defensive force. He's a guy that is going to be there at the rim, and you're going to have to account for defensively. And he's a lob threat, obviously a guy who can dunk and and whatnot. But in terms of like back to the basket game, just creating offense for himself in the post, I don't really get concerned or get very scared that he can do that all that effectively. So I don't get all that worried about Coleman and that matchup getting, you know, like we saw with Trace last year or anything like that, where like he's going to be overwhelmed by Cliff on the offensive end. I just think Coleman's so important for what this team can do. I think Coleman's going to be very important pulling Cliff away from the basket on the Mm -hmm. other end. Mm -hmm. When Illinois gets into the half court and you know they're going to be a lot because that's what Rutgers does. They slow the game down and they bog it down. They want to make you play half court offense uh, if they're not getting a steal off their press. And so I I think it's going to be really important for Coleman to be that hub offensively for Illinois, not asking him to do everything. I think you got in trouble against Marquette when he was trying to do too much for you offensively. But he needs to be a guy that helps create offense for you and pull Cliff Amore's rim protection away from the rim, open up driving lanes for your guards and for Terrence Shannon to do some damage. And so I think that's the best way you can attack this Rutgers defense is with Coleman helping you do that from the five spot and being a tough matchup for Amori defensively. Uh, but I do think Dane could make an impact in this game. I just I, I think if he can show what he's shown here the last couple days, last couple games, and give you an option to dump it down to in the post to create offense, I think that could be a nice little change up off the bench to help you score. But it just you got to figure out ways to put the ball in the rim against this team. Like mm-hmm. you just got to. Illinois has much more offensive firepower than this Rutgers team, but you got to find a way to make it work and make it flow in the half court if you want to win this game. And I think Coleman helps you do that. But I think Dane can can play a part in that. I just wouldn't start him. Yeah, if Coleman is close enough to 100, percent I'm in, in agreement with you. I think that's the the route I would go. And uh, Kyler on the U of I Atlanta Link text line. Kyle and Kyler have the same opinions. Is this Kyle texting in? Is this his, his alter ego here? Uh, having Coleman in there to draw Cliff out of the lane will open things up for Terrence, similar to what uh, Kyle just said. Uh, so you guys are in agreement there, but there's no doubt about it. Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, the way to that Rutgers guards, they, they hard, head, hard hedge a lot. So like they will try to cut off your ball screen driver by using Cliff to kind of show and make sure that guy doesn't get in the paint. And then because of his athleticism, they'll trust him to recover to the big if he's going to roll or to the pop guy. Uh, and then they'll they'll rotate within their the rest of their health defenders. They do a really good job of that. Uh, you've got to be able to make, number one, good decisions on the ball because they're going to be up in you and, and try to force you to be rushed with their ball pressure. And then also can – the guys, if they do get caught in rotation, can you make those shots? Can you make the corner three if you skip it over there? If Luke Goody's spotting up, I, I feel great about that. Uh, I think with Coleman, there's no doubt that he does present the dynamic of being able to stretch the floor. I would just be very interested. If I'm Steve Peichel, what am I telling Cliff Amore right now? How aggressively should you keep tabs on Coleman Hawkins from three? Because it's a guy that we we know can go off for four or five of them, but... On the whole, I mean, he's still like a career 27% three-point shooter. He's one for seven from three to start this season. I think that's so key. I know some people said that, you know, and I, I, I agree that Coleman can still be a valuable player without being a, a good three-point shooter, but that is such a key part of Illinois really 
maximizing what they can do offensively. If you really have to respect that pick and pop game within balancing with, all right, well, we got to guard Terrence Shannon downhill, that would make Illinois the hardest to guard. It's just that Coleman, on a consistent basis, has not been that shooter that you can rely on game in and game out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point because if you are scouting Illinois, I think that there is a big part of you that is that says we're going to come out of the gate and we're just going to leave Cliff in the in the paint. Like Coleman, and when he's at the top of the key, I want you playing like five steps off of him. I want you to have two feet in the paint, make him make shots before we go out and guard him. And then it's a matter of you're challenging Coleman to go make those shots like early in the game. If Coleman gets open looks from three early on in this game, I want him to take those shots. I know he hasn't shot it well, but that, like you said, I just – he can't lose confidence there. I know Brad mentions all the time how he wants Coleman to shoot. I think there is a part of people that when they see how much he struggled so far and they see, well, this is a guy that shot 27% for his career, so why does he keep shooting threes? It's really hurting us. I, I, I get that, but I also think he needs to be that threat. He needs to be a guy that can stretch the floor, especially if he's going to play the five for you in, in the offense Illinois is trying to run. He needs to be a threat out there. He needs to cause big men like Cliff and big men like Zach Eady to get out of the paint and respect his three-point jump shot. And so, I, yeah, I think that's going to be a key. But it's a great point in that if you're an Illinois opponent, how aggressively do you play that, especially knowing that you have such a downhill force like Terrence Shannon sitting on the wing and you want Cliff Amore to be there to contest. It'll be very interesting to see that, but Coleman's got to prove that he can be a threat and open things up like that because that's that's when Illinois is at their best is when he's doing that, and we've seen that in games where he has been hot from three mm-hmm. and he has been making those shots and teams have had to respect him. Those have very often coincided with Illinois' best performances. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, a, a big ingredient to Illinois looking as good as they did against Kansas was Coleman Hawkins hitting four threes with Dickinson kind of playing in drop coverage and him having that pick and pop and being able to knock down those shots. Obviously, Terrence hit five of his own and had a, a fantastic game, and uh, Marcus Damas you know, played pretty well in that one as well. So uh, even with Coleman, I agree with you. I, I want him shooting those shots in rhythm with confidence. There will be a, a feeling out process, maybe if you miss two or three, if, if you sure. want to take that shot. But I even think that, and I know he gets in trouble doing this sometimes, of if you're open, maybe take a couple dribbles into the lane and, and create some some kind of collapse, create some kind of attention to where then a guy can cut off the wing. And, and Coleman is a very capable passer. I think he sees the floor pretty well. Sometimes he tries to do too much. Sometimes he'll he'll pump fake, and then just the the wheels of motion get spinning towards something maybe bad happening there. But uh, I think he's very key to Illinois. Obviously, big picture. I mean, he's him playing as well as he can at both ends of the floor is really a, a huge part of Illinois reaching their their top end potential. So uh, there's no doubt about that. Is there an X factor? Let, let's let's end the hour on this. Is there an X factor? And it, maybe he's the answer, or if there was, is one beyond Coleman in this three game stretch for you, is there a guy that you circle and say? If this guy plays really well during the next three games, Illinois should like what they end up with in terms of the results. 
Well, I think Coleman's the guy. I really do think he's the answer to that, but I'll give a different answer since we just talked about him. I think it's Damask. I think it's Marcus Damask because he, to me, I think he's his potential at least is your second best offensive player behind Terrence Shannon in mm-hmm. terms of creating offense, in terms of making shots, in terms of the scoring output that he could consistently give you when he's playing well. I think he's probably your number two option offensively. I know Coleman probably is, especially with how much he has a ball in his hands, but just with consistency and scoring ability, I think Damask needs to give you that. We saw what the 18 points he gave you in the Marquette game did. Obviously, it didn't lead to a win, but it made that game close, some of the plays that he made. We've seen him be aggressive when he is aggressive and he gets to that little turnaround jump shot in the paint. Like I love that shot when he's getting there. I love when he's knocking. I, I think he should be. He hasn't shot the three well. He should be a 38% three-point shooter to me, especially if he's getting shots in rhythm. And to me, he's got to be a guy that gives you 12 to 14 a game in these three games. And he can't be a no-show on the offensive end. And I I think if he can be making shots for you and if he can be creating some offense for you in the half court, because he is a guy who is a pretty good passer, I think he's a guy that can see the floor pretty well and you can turn into kind of a secondary ball handler at times. We've even seen him bring the ball up. Like, he's really important for Illinois putting up the offensive outputs that they're going to need to put up, especially against two really good defensive teams in Rutgers. And I I still consider Tennessee really good defensively, even though North Carolina hung oh 100 on them last that night. That was crazy. Their reputation says that they're really good defensively. Point being, Damascus is going to be really key to your offense, and I think he needs to show up and be a lot better than he's been for most of the year so far. I'll throw that out to the U of I line on the text line. I, I am in agreement with Kyle. I think Damascus probably should be your second leading scorer this year that would be my pick in terms of not that Coleman couldn't be it not that other guys Luke is obviously shooting it well uh, I'd throw Ty Rogers out there in the mix as well because of Rutgers pressure defense how much they turn you over the defense that Tennessee has uh, having the ball in his hands and him being able to handle that is important but what do you guys think X factor for Illinois in the next three games. Let us know on the U of I Atlanta League text line 217-359-2255. We'll play some Brett Bielema when we come back. This is The Drive.